Since the beginning of mankind, there has been an echoing question through the ages that has changed civilizations and helped bring into the world the inspiration of the deep subconscious mind. What does my dream mean? And to this day, the mystery of that question is trivial, yet individual and full of meaning wrapped in riddles to create our own personal myth so that we can become the hero of our journey. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. I'm your host Night Owl and this is Deep Thoughts After Dark. On today's podcast we'll dive into the topics of dreams and the dream archetypes and of course I will be adding my own personal experience, tips and tricks to decipher your dream to better understand what your subconscious mind is telling you and how to use them to heal. Thank you very much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. So I am very excited to get into this topic. Uh, The topic of dreams has been something that inspired me on my spiritual journey uh, to become a shaman and it basically just moved me in a way that uh, I felt different from everyone else. Um, I felt my dreams were very loud, uh, if that makes any sense. Like they always like shot out at me and it almost seemed like I was there was something to be said there. So even when I was in high school, when I used to, when I started having my my really big deep dreams, um, I did a lot of research into ancient cultures and and different religions that dealt with dreams, and I found that there was like something that I needed to do to be able to connect all the dots, and it's taken me a long time to realize what my dreams were telling me, and I'm gonna hopefully get into what I've learned and what dreams can tell us about ourselves and um, and help you guys along your way. And uh, it's a great topic. Um, we all dream, so uh, it's going to be a long... It's, it could have been a really long podcast, but uh, I'm only going to get into one archetype on this podcast because if I got into the five main archetypes, um, <laughs> it probably take about three four hours so i'm gonna keep it short and then i'll probably release you know a second part to this podcast where i just talk about the extra four podcasts i picked one archetype because that's the one that's i feel in more individual to me but we can all agree that once i get to that part of the podcast that we've all been touched or moved or scared by this aspect of our dreams. So let's get into it. So ancient Egyptians believed that dreams were the realm or gateway into uh, to peek into the realm of the gods. Um, they used dreams as like premonitions and for guidance and self-healing practices. And even ancient Egyptians healers would uh, work with their patients and guide them to a dreamlike state. Uh, then the patient would relay back to the healer what they had, the dreamer has been shown, and then this would be deciphered to interpret and to correct and to use the correct course of action for healing. Um, the field of psychoanalysts uh, deals with the subconscious mind and was first developed by the Austrian neurologist Sigmund Freud, uh, who also developed the, the understanding of the mind's different personalities or better yet, the hierarchy of the minds within our consciousness in his work, The Ego and the Id. 
the id is the very primal instincts of our subconscious uh, the ego is a driving force that seeks to please the id's drive in a realistic way that in the long term brings benefit rather than grief uh, the ego attempts to mediate between the id and reality it is often obligated to cloak the unconscious commands of the id with its own precautious rationalizations to conceal the id's conflict with reality to profess so basically um, the ego is a learned behavior that is the constant rattling your brain of reasoning you know oh we can't do that and self-preservation it's the self-preservation part of your brain basically so an example is that you would stop your primitive urge to steal and it guides you to rather think of ways to purchase that item or just to purchase it in general and then the third part is the superego which reflects the internalization of culture rules mainly taught by parents applied in their guidance and influences uh, so in his paper fruit says that these imprinting from our quote-unquote teachers are merely the superego of the unconscious minds of them these fundamentals come into play in the dream world as the deep parts of the id and the superego lie within our conscious mind. So if you were try to envision what all that means, think of like an iceberg. And above water is like our conscious mind. And then like the first, I don't know, like 10 feet is the pre-conscious mind. And then everything right to the bottom of the ocean is our unconscious mind. So... The tip of our ego and superego is at the very forefront of our mind, where in that second layer of preconscious, uh, our ego and superego, and then deep within our unconscious mind lies our id and our, the rest of the superego. So I'd say about only about 50% of the ego is above water. And 50% is above in our preconscious, whereas our superego is only about 10% to 20% and then the rest is just all pre-conscious and subconscious so you can see how the ego and like I talked about a little bit about this in my last podcast about our uh, conscious mind and subconscious mind so our conscious mind and by training our thoughts we were basically training our ego and that's how Sigmund Freud has basically dubbed um, how the mind works and it's even to this day, it's still a used practical effect, which I'll go ahead into a little bit more with um, with Jung, which is another, um, which was a student of Freud. But anyways, let's continue. Uh, the power of our dreams is attained when we retreat from the external world and enter the deep unconscious mind where all the secret archetype guides and answers lay waiting for the call to aid. This knowledge of deeper understanding is where our prefer, uh, personal myths come to life to guide us to answers or paths to shed the old and conquer over our own dark demons of the dark realm and to arise anew, reborn, resurrected from the death of our old former self to the new version of ourselves. For anything new, the old must die entirely, and to truly change for good, we must shed our past and become the hero of our story and create our own myths. So, like I was talking about in my last podcast, about going deep within our cave and finding that that darkness, that truth of treasure, 
um, to become the hero and really become a new person. Um, Joseph Campbell really talks about, um, here, I'll get into the, the quote now. Uh, dreams are our own personalized myth. The myth is the described dream, a depersonalized dream. Both myth and dream are symbolic in the same way that the dynamics of the human psyche. But in the dream, the forms are morphed by the particular troubles of the daily lives, where myths are the problems and the resolves shown and meant for all mankind, end quote. So what Joseph Campbell was trying to say here is that like myths, our dreams are interpretations of situations that are affecting our lives. And basically, um, our subconscious mind is trying to show us ways to rectify them in a language that's built in a story. And it's a language that most oftentimes with these archetypes and the things that I'm going to get into, we can analyze. But it is individual. You know, a bear, if you see a bear in your dream, well, a bear can mean many things to you. But the archetype of a bear is still the general consensus for everybody. So these aren't exclusive, but they are in exclusive to a certain extent because everyone understands what a bear is. But it might be a little bit different because if you think about it, the mind is like a box. And then if you dig deep down, it's like... Another compartment, it's like a bunch of boxes connected to a bunch of boxes and it just keeps going down. So everything is connected, but they're each differently compartmentalized together and work together to kind of hold up the box, if that makes sense. So by analyzing our dreams and our uh, as our own myths, we can begin to learn about ourselves and what a, what our subconscious mind is trying to tell us. So right now, I'm going to get into dream archetypes. Uh, dream archetypes are also referred to as the eternal ones of our dreams. So it was developed by Carl Jung, a Swiss psychiatric uh, uh, psychiatrist. Sorry, psychiatric. <laughs> psychiatrist uh, and he basically started his work off the work of Sigmund Freud and he also used the Corpus Hermeticum which is a collection of philosophical texts by Hermes Trismegistus believed to be the gods uh, Hermes and Thoth uh, incarnate of Greek and Egyptian polytheism. Uh, and it was deciphered uh, from the Emerald Tablets, uh, which gave birth to the ancient and modern metal alchemy, which is a, a whole other podcast in itself. Uh, and it basically brought out the Hermetic Principles, which I've been really um, debating on doing next. Um, but again, there's a lot to go through with the archetype, so I'm, I might stick to this topic and leave that for another one. But yeah, so... Basically, what the the Corpus Hermeticum and the, the tablets has said to uphold the knowledge of all things. And if you remember from my last podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and it basically says that the all is the mind and the universe is mental. So by going into the world of our dreams we deep dive deep down into the universe of untapped knowledge that universal library 
of knowledge of ourselves and the universe and how our subconscious mind and our spirits interpret this world and how it wants to heal and correct ourselves for self-preservation. It's almost like our subconscious mind has its own ego. And again, it goes into more compartmentalized things, whereas that each subconscious mind has its superego id and ego. So there's a lot going on and that we're not even really aware of. And these kind of just help us to really understand um, how to begin to interpret it and begin to, um, to understand. So Jung used mental alchemy to decipher the riddle of our dreams and the works of Freud and created the dream archetypes, which are defined as a universal symbol of pattern of behaviors or personal variable example the generic version of a personality like a wise old wizard like Gandalf end quote the main archetypes uh, there's five of them so the first one would be the self and this regulates the psyche and facilitates the individualization process the process towards becoming a fully actualized human being uh, the shadow is the part of us that we rather not acknowledge. Uh, it's like the darker nature. It's often like a dark creature. Frequently, it's, a lot of times, it's like the same gender as the dreamer. Uh, but it's not exclusive. Like it, again, it goes again with uh, feminine energy and masculine energy. It's not exclusive. These can be completely different genders. It's just oftentimes when, say, the shadow, like the thing that chases you, Oftentimes, it'll be the same gender as you because, like I said in my journey podcast from my shamanic journey, um, I was being followed and chased by this shadow, this demon, this Jason Voorhees for so long, and it ended up being a, a, a part of me that was trying to, like, wake up. And it wanted to, me to realize that pain and to, like, get over it so that I could find peace of mind and I could begin my path to healing so and i'm gonna be going deep into the shadow today and then i'll probably get into the self and the other ones on another podcast uh so the the third one is the anima which is the feminine Im image and it troops within the male and it has been said that the soul of a man is feminine uh, and the animus is the masculine image and attribu attributes within the female it has been said that the soul of the woman is the masculine. So basically the yin and the yang of our deep subconscious minds. Uh, and then the persona is uh, basically the mask, what we present to the world as being ourselves. That's correct, Wendy. We all wear masks, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> God, I love that movie. So anyways, so like I was saying about genders, they're not specific roles. And here, as a male and female, can have both anima and animus as well. Um, so these are the fine ma five main ones, but there are many others that guide us in our own respective representation. So examples, specific animals, like I was talking about the bear, wizard, or like an old man mother and like a father figure etc 
But like Joseph Campbell said, it's like the dreamer's own representations and association to these archetypes is where the answers lie. So again, whatever that figural archetype means to you, you have to take into account for that as well. So, our daily lives consist of so much information that our brain uses dreams to sift and discard and keep what aligns with our lives. This is why our subconscious mind work throughout the day is so important with affirmations because it'll help this process. If you missed my last podcast, I go deep into the explanation of this topic. Um, So, I really suggest watching my last one called The Mind. Uh, so this lets your true self guide you and not your ego portion of your mind that deals in rationalities and you're able to really let go of your rational thinking and become a new in your own practical magic. So practical magic is something not what a lot of people think it is. Um, I will get into it in another podcast because again, it's a whole other topic in itself. Um, so... As with anything, the imaginal world of the psyche and the archetypes are more of a metaphor than actual. So, like, we can't touch them, only point towards their attributes. And they usually represent the patterns of the psychic function. Um, The depth uh, psychologist uh, James Hillman said that they they were the root of the soul. And so he goes on to say that because of this imaginal description of the archetypes, we are led to envision the basic nature and structure of the soul in an imaginative way and to approach the basic questions of psychology first of all by means of imagination, end quote. Okay, so now we're going to get into the individualization process. Um, So the individualization is the process towards an integrated personality uh, and the drive to become whole. Carl Jung thought of it as a process where one discovers the divine within themselves and their true self. And what some call the authentic self or consciousness beyond the ego. It is the process where, by the innate personality elements, the aspects of the immature psyche, and the different experiences within one's life, become integrated into a well-functioning whole. Uh, And once this is complete, you become more aware of your relationship with all other things. So by being true to yourself and, and going through this individualist process and being whole with yourself, you end up opening more better relationships around you because you're actually working better. It's like if a dam got clogged with a bunch of leaves, well, it wouldn't be able to supply water down chain to all the fish, and then the fish would die, and then the birds would die that would rely on those fish, and it kind of just keeps going down. So this is the process of being able to authenticate the self and cleanse the consciousness beyond the ego and to create better relationships in your life. Uh, It would also seem critical to have some idea about your relationships or of your behavior uh, with your experiences, but also your innate personality traits in order to further the process of an individualization. 
uh, a better understanding of the filters that you unconsciously use to interpret everyday experiences in, in the dream meaning would be useful to your process of self-actualization. So the more you understand uh, about your filters and your unconscious, uh, you're better you're able to interpret your dreams and your experiences better and a process for self-actualization. So you're able to attain your personal self by starting to do your own internal work and looking at the things that are causing you to have certain dreams and knowing yourself. It's like knowing thyself and you'll know thy, thy path. Um, so I did find that knowing my innate uh, predominant interactive and information gathering traits, uh, the personality filters through which I interpret the world. Uh, and it's an enormous help to understand both the symbols of the sleeping and the waking dream. So, Jung saw us as a being both the persona, the seat of unconsciousness, the ego, and the unconscious that was split between the perso personal consciousness and the collective unconsciousness, and the self and the larger self, and the essence who we are. So, going back to what I was talking about, about boxes upon boxes upon boxes. So, our unconscious self has different compartments, just like our ego does and our id does and everything has all these compartments and different personality traits and uh, different hands on the wheels on different times for any different uh, occasion kind of think of it as like a, one of those like you know like those old movies or like i don't know if you've ever played those resident resident evil games where it's like you go into the clock tower and you need to find that specific sprocket and you just see all these kind of sprockets only work if this one sprocket is missing it's kind of like that so that once you get that sprocket going, you can get everything working kind of in sync again. You are the sprocket that you need to insert yourself into this internal clock of networks uh, to really understand and, you know, tell your own time, I guess. <laughs> um, so I'm going to get into the personal unconscious and the collective unconscious again. Uh, I went a little bit into this um, in the last podcast, but I think it's going to be crucial to really understanding our dreams and it'll kind of fall in into the archetype that I'll be dealing with today, which is the shadow. So the personal unconscious and the collective unconscious uh, are all our perceptions. Sorry. The first one is the impersonal, the personal unconscious are all our perceptions forgotten or repressed memories, hopes, desires, and emotions. Jung uh, claims that knowledge of the personal unconscious is, un is knowledge of the self and that the unconscious is always working towards wholeness individualization. So, so the knowledge that we attain is that the unconscious is always working towards wholeness. So the knowledge that we entertain uh, our unconscious is always collecting that and using it to give us cues to our collective consciousness, our personal con unconscious. It's very confusing, but it's kind of like you, you literally have like three minds going on in your head. Just, just be aware of that. <laughs> so in the collective unconscious lay the shared archetypes of the peoples of all cultures. So this is where we get into the archetypes a little bit. So, according to Jung, the archetypal symbols we will show up in our dreams 
when critical events show up in your waking life, so like if you have like a birth, death, grief, extreme fear, or prolonged stress due to you know insecurities or an event that happened in your life, this is whenever these symbols will start to show up in your dream. So if you start noticing that, it means that you're either not dealing with your real your life your real life well what's real anyways but uh your waking life and uh, your subconscious mind will send you these things to kind of say like hey listen up i'm sending you some knowledge your way use it accordingly so the archetypes of the general culture of man are many but one among them stands out more than the others and that's the one that scares the shit out of me the shadow so the shadow is what we deny in ourselves, but clearly see in others. So like arrogance, egotism, greed, indifferences, etc. It is also the interplay of personalities in opposition to one another. It is whatever you reject. So when it shows up in both our sleep and waking dreams, uh, we have been taught to kind of avoid it and like suppress and deny it. So like, uh, kind of like the old saying, get behind me, Satan. But, you know, of course, these need to be some control of the shadow in order for one to be accepted into society, uh, whatever society or subculture one finds ourselves in. But to continuously deny it only makes it grow uh, until it eventually pops out of some very unfortunate and uh, often unsavory ways. So basically, the shadow will cause ailments, uh, distractions in your life. It also like uh, create depression. Um, such as myself, whenever I was keep getting chased by Jason Voorhees, um, it was like a premonition of like not being happy where I was, and then I realized that it was a part of myself that uh, that was trying to rekindle with me, and uh, my subconscious mind was trying to remind me of that, like, hey, you're holding on to this for too long, like, I'm trying to help you here, I'm trying to send you this killer maniac with a fucking hockey mask to kill you, like, don't you get what I'm trying to say? The world, the mind works in mysterious ways, but that was my shadow archetype. So yeah, um, yeah, it is a it is a portrayal of our deeper shadows of those insecurities. Um, so it is a total of all the unpleasant qualities that uh, we can hide that we don't really want everyone to see. And everything that doesn't agree with the image or when we don't want to be uh, and not want to project. So the dark side of personality. So basically, you know, if you're repressing being gay or something, you know, that would build up and be created in your shadow. You know what I mean? Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with being gay. It's just saying so in culturally, you know, or if the family culture that you're in and you're being raised in a Catholic household, you know, might be frowned upon to become, uh, to be looked at as gay. So you might repress that and it would cause a shadow figure. So you'd have nightmares or you would have imbalances in your life, which could cause depression and stuff like that. But when you resist, you will persist and you will eventually dominate. It will eventually dominate, sorry. Uh, and so this is essential to the message of Stevens, Stevenson's story of the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where the good doctor denies his shadow and self that eventually takes him over, uh, and how frequently 
basically good people become overcome by hate and begin to sacrifice their good qualities as a means of defending these good qualities. Um, so when we kind of repress the shadow uh, to the unconscious, it can show up in, uh, as a bias or bigotry in people uh, and oftentimes they'll project it onto their other people, their own feelings of bias. Uh, so that they can feel righteous and pure. And a lot of times, uh, the shadow is mistaken as something outside of ourselves, uh, but but really it's a part of us, things that we repress or things that we've, you know, created on the abstract of what is uh, socially acceptable. Uh, people used to be burned at real stakes of fire because others saw their own shadow in the persona of others and sought to punish this uh, suppressed inner demon of themselves by destroying the others. Uh, this is what damage the unseen and the unrecognized can do. Uh, but we don't do this today, do we? You know, we our arrogance do we see? Whose arrogance do we see in the man across the street? Uh, whose greed do we condemn to the fires of our own judgment in the banker? Who lust do we demean, uh, demean in the adulteration of it? Like, like, do we really demean the uh, politicians for screwing around? No. Whose incompetence do we see in the boss? We also demonize others or lay out our internal shadows upon them in order to justify killing them, either in the war or the state-sanctioned executions. Uh, we also demonize people to demiss their worth as well as thus to disenfranchise or marginalize them. No, not that it was what passes for most public and po political disclosure today. Is there any wonder so little of a substance gone done? Or sorry, any substance gets done. Sorry, my eyes are getting a little fuzzy on me. It is the shadow, the original sin that some religions speak of, perhaps, but is not sin in the having of the shadow, but the sin of resisting and or refusing to recognize it. Some may say that it is not resisted, it is to condone. It is but perhaps we can accept without condoning, acknowledge without becoming, and act in concert with, the, with it instead of through it. So basically by accepting our darkness and accepting it who we are and acknowledging it, uh, we can become better ourselves now by facing my darkness in the dream that I had if you go back to the the um, the shamanic journey I do talk about the dream of my shadow and you know I never cast it away I never took a gun out and shot him you know no I led a fire he came to me I spoke to him and he spoke to me and he ended up giving me a gift of bringing my grandparents down from the sky and help and and, and giving me a gift to sh to shower me with 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 love and and caring because you know he knew that part of me knew that I was scared for all those years and he you know he felt bad because I wasn't able to interpret what he was trying to say so it was a, it was a really beautiful thing and you know if you guys ever want go check it out it's my shamanic journey podcast it's a very touching story it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about here is that by 
accepting our darkness and accepting you know who we are and um, not projecting our shadows onto others uh, we can begin to stop repressing suppress, sorry suppressing our shadows and start being in, t- in one with our shadows so oftentimes uh, the dreamer um, when the dreamer has a dream about the shadow it shows up as the same sex as the person who's having the dream but that doesn't matter it can come in different ways but that's sometimes different archetypes but that's tomato tomato it's all personally remember myths our myths and our dreams are personalized to our interactions in the world and how we see it so just bear that in mind um, so they do appear like with sometimes as dark figures or shadowy figures, zombies. I know I used to have a lot of zombie dreams or something unseen, dark and threatening and sinister figure in the dark or in a form of a stalking animal. So frequently the shadow characters show up in nightmares. It is though the unconscious is trying to focus on our attention on something we've been hiding um, surprisingly, the shadow can also be a good person to an evil person's ego, as is in Cinderella to her evil stepsisters, as an example. Uh, and then the mix of personalities that are neither good or bad, some personality traits are the polar opposite to others, and thus being the shadow to each other. Uh, so when you see it, don't resist it, guide it. Be compassionate, love it, understand it, accept it, and work with it. Um, like I said, when I worked with mine, um, you know, he gifted me back, and it was it was a beautiful experience. Every time I tried to run away from him, or stab him, or stop him, it was just. Actually, I remember the last dream I had with him. Um, he just stopped, and I remember he just stared at me. There was the first time he stopped and stared at me. Normally, he would just like. Like Jason Voorhees, he would just keep walking and walking, just like chasing me. And I remember I finally just like, I was inside of this, like this house and it was like a deck. And I went up to the deck and I stood there and I looked at him and I said, what do you want? And he stopped and he just looked at me. And I knew then and there that I needed to do a journey with my shaman about it. Uh, and then the rest is history. So the individualization, uh, individualization becomes a transcendental integration of the known and the unknown that moves the center of the persona away from the ego and more towards the center of our being. So it takes the power away from the ego and it puts us down back to our super ego and our id, so our, who we are. Uh, so there's a hidden unity in the center, the unity of which I speak may seem as what Jung said actually be evident to us at all the time if we had by we had the eyes to perceive it so you know it's kind of like what Jung's saying you know if we had the eyes to perceive really what was going on be amazing so that's why we have these dreams but we you know like I was talking about last time with synchronicity um, a lot of times they'll just be like these connections and meanings that are happening in your life and it's like your unconscious mind is just like it's like it's just you just pick up it's like it just starts bothering you like why is that in my head and then you just see other things or numbers that are matching up or like events or like like i was doing i was doing research on the cave 
from my last podcast and it all connected to the dream I had and it made me realize everything and so you got to look for these synchronicities um, when you're dealing with the shadow uh, oftentimes if you're paying attention and looking with those eyes you will find um, what he's trying to say so when dealing with the shadow sometimes it can be paired up in dreams with like the interpretation of death so death to whether visiting in a form of a loved one or someone who's passed on unknown or dead people or or, or your own actual or threatening death can be a symbol for something inside of you and a way of being uh, belief and attitude behavior or personality variable that needs to change or like to die uh, so in order for something new to develop it must die the old must die. Uh, these, thus, these dreams come in the service of a transformation and further the individualization process. So, to resist them and to to run from them uh, is to fix yourself on a stage of your development. Reoccurring dreams, especially nightmares, uh, can come in the service of helping you to face you and your shadows. Uh, your demons and then so that you can move on so the bottom line is is that we need to accept death of the old parts so in order for a beginning for something new if you really truly need to you need to let go of something old that's holding you back in order to move on so this conflict of opposites and their integration into the whole can be seen acted out in uh, like the Hindu trinity of the gods Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahma. Uh, Vishnu is the perceiver of all that exists and the epitome of mercy and the goddess, while Shiva is the destroyer and purveyor of death. One perceives while the other causes change. Raham recreates what has been destroyed and this cycle, a cycle starts all over again. In this trinity, however, what looks bad, Shiva is actually the destroyer of ego. Uh, ego is the false identification with form. Um, what we do, what we, what has been destroyed, is the illusion of individuality, and the destruction actually opens a path to a new creation. So, when when we perceive death, oftentimes that we're left with grief, and we don't really understand about the actual good that it comes from death you know death usually in in ancient cultures was seen as like a step above like going going past that threshold and creating a new and going to a new realm and uh you know like joseph campbell said all the gods and goddesses are within us all the interpretation of the myths of the gods and the goddesses and their symbology is all within us so by looking at these mythos we find parts of our own mythos inside those stories. So again, I really implore any of us, if you want to truly discover yourself, is to look up ancient mythologies uh, of different cultures and, uh, and try to find the one that connects to you. So I think I'm going to leave it there. Like I said, this is going to be a two-part podcast, probably three. So I did the shadow one first because I integrated it with uh, the individualization process and uh, how we can begin to find our authentic self by working with our shadow uh, archetypes um, and going deep into our cave 
and find our sword and shield and working and reuniting with the goddess, our feminine energy to begin a healing process to attain our authentic self. So if you guys have a little trouble with dreams, uh, I'm going to give you guys a little tips and tricks right now. Um, there's two things that I like to use whenever I want to have a really good dream. Um, I use uh, Sweet Gale, which is a water-bearing like root veg- uh, vegetation that you can actually find anywhere in North America in fresh water along the shores. It's pretty prevalent in North America, so you can cultivate your own. Just make sure that you pick the right ones whenever you're foraging anything because... Um, I believe, I think there's not many uh, plants that are resemble the sweet gale, but there might be a different one that kind of resembles it that's very poisonous. So just do your research, but they are really prevalent, so if you want to pick your own. If not, uh, you can find sweet gale um, online. I suggest to get the loose bag stuff because you'll save on shipping cost. It's basically... D- just a bag and it goes through letter mail and there's no shipping cost or Littleton that's like a dollar so that's a little suggestion uh, and the other thing is is an amino acid and it's L-theanine um, and L-theanine promotes relaxations and facilitates sleep by contributing to a number of changes in the brain uh, it also elevates levels of GABA as well as serotonin and dopamine And as we know, these chemicals are known as neurotransmitters, and they work in the brain to regulate emotions, mood, concentration, alertness, and sleep, as well as appetite, energy, and the cognitive skills. So, pretty cool stuff. I take it normally um, whenever in the winter months, and just whenever I'm feeling down, or I I don't feel right, uh, because it it has been linked to uh, eating reducing levels of chemicals in the brain that are linked to stress and anxiety. So those are little tips and tricks. Um, I guess caffeine, low, low levels of caffeine has been said to help with um, lucid dreaming, apparently, because it makes the brain pathways more easily susceptible or open, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. You guys can try it. I don't like drinking coffee before bed. Because I'll be up all night. Just just fucking up all night. So anyways, that's the end of this podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I apologize if I seemed a little groggy at the beginning. Uh, I had just woken up when I recorded this. So um, I do apologize. Um, But I hope you guys found it informative. And if you guys like, you can follow me on Instagram at Deep Thoughts After Dark Podcast where I do um, post some pretty interesting quotes and little tidbits and art that I like to make before I release my podcast and just stay interactive with the community. And if you guys have any questions or you guys want to collab, whatever you want to do, you guys can reach out to me at Deep Thoughts After Dark Podcast on Instagram. I do have a Facebook page, but I, I don't use it because... You know, I watched that social distraction documentary and I was just like, nope. I know that Facebook owns Instagram anyways, but 
hey, fuck, I gotta, I gotta promote myself somehow. So, without being said, I hope that you guys like this podcast, and, um, yeah, be well, dream well, and I'll see you guys in the Netherrealms. See you next time.